So who is above all to be praised? Who is the focus of our life? He is the reason why we move and breathe and have our being. Let's proclaim his name on three. One, two, three. Amen. Let him be the focus of our life. And I guess that is the crux of the matter, isn't it? Center of our discussion as we have our final message from the living room. Uh, To start off this morning, I'm going to read an excerpt uh, with a few significant changes. Uh, This was written quite a long time ago uh, and for a different context. Uh, But it is a wonderful, lovely little pamphlet written many years ago by a, a, a gentleman by the name of Pastor Robert Boyd Munger. He wrote this in a work entitled, My Heart, Christ's Home, a story told for young and old. Now, in the unfolding of this lovely little story, the author tells of a person inviting Jesus into his heart, a heart that is now Jesus' home. And his heart, like our heart, has many rooms, each serving its purpose. But I want to draw your attention to the center of this pamphlet, to the place of greatest intimacy in our home and in our hearts, the living room. He writes this. We move next into the living room. This was a quiet, comfortable room with a warm atmosphere. I I liked it. It had a fireplace and sofa, overstuffed chairs, a bookcase, and an intimate atmosphere. Jesus also seemed very pleased with it. He said, indeed, this is a delightful room. Let us come here often. It is secluded and it is quiet and we can have good talks and fellowship together. Oh, naturally, as a young Christian, I was thrilled. I couldn't think of anything I would rather do every day than have a few minutes alone with Jesus in close companionship. He promised me, I will be here every single day. Meet me here. In the living room of your heart, and we will have time together. So day after day, I would go into the living room and would meet with him. We would read from his word together, and he would unfold to me the wonder of God's saving truths recorded in the scripture. It would make my heart sing as he shared all that he had done for me and would continue to do. Those times together were so wonderful. Through the Bible and the Holy Spirit, he would speak to me daily. I would daily respond with prayer. And our friendship continued to deepen and deepen farther and farther into intimacy during those quiet times. However, under the pressure of my many responsibilities, little by little, this time began to be shortened. Why? I'm not sure. Somehow I assumed I was just too busy to give special regular time to be with Jesus. This was not a deliberate decision, mind you. It just seemed to happen that way. Eventually, not only was our time together shortened and rushed, but I began to miss entire days with him, especially when life became extra busy. There were matters of urgency that continually seemed to be crowding out time alone with Jesus. One morning, I rushed past the living room in a hurry for a very important appointment. But as I passed by, I noticed that the door was open. Glancing in, I saw a fire freshly kindled. Jesus was sitting there. I stopped and I turned hesitantly to turn in. With downcast glance, I asked him, Master, have you been here every day waiting for me? As I told you, I would be here to meet with you every single day. 
I felt the color rush over my face, all the shame and the guilt. I could barely raise my eyes. But when I did, in his eyes, only grace, warm, compassionate grace, as he spoke these words, come away and by yourself to a desolate place and rest a while. Well, over the course of this series, we have been invited multiple times into that desolate place, away from the grind and the exhaustion and the pressures, all that we assume are the necessary evils of our post-industrial, tech-saturated 21st century existence, to a place of quiet and of rest, where we were renewed and experienced spiritual revitalization and prayerfully a little sanity. Wouldn't that be wonderful to purchase a little sanity? How many of y'all would like just a dose of sanity this holiday season? Wouldn't that be wonderful? All the while, we have this warm invitation, compassionate invitation from Jesus to the weary and burdened of the world. Matthew 11, verse 28 through 29, Jesus saying, Come to me, all you who weary, all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Oh, such a tender invitation. We've discovered many things over the past six weeks together. We have learned that when Jesus calls us to come to him, he's also inviting us to follow him. And when we follow him, we will find ourselves often walking out into desolate places to spend time alone with the Father in prayer. He invites us to be his disciples, to sit at his feet, and to learn from him. But we're so busy, and anxious, and burdened about so many things. It is hard to find time to get away, especially in this season. I have no idea what I was thinking as a pastor. Why on earth would I preach a series of messages on solitude, and prayer, and quiet during the chaos of the holiday season. I find it's almost hard to breathe, let alone pray. In view of the season, and how improbable this may seem, we still are going to turn our attention and prayerfully our busy hearts to a lovely little passage of Scripture that is nestled right in between the, the long-storied uh, parable of the Good Samaritan and then its extended discourse on prayer, I come to discover that this location of the passage we're going to look at this morning is divinely inspired as it relates to this series. We're going to find in the passage that we're going to look at a pair of contrasting portraits. One will be the portrait of a woman hurried and hindered and exhausted and distracted, frustrated, accusatory, and even demanding. The other is a portrait of a woman uninterrupted, unhindered, unhurried, quiet, patient, contentedly sitting at the feet of Jesus. Some of you are already hinting at the passage. I'm going to ask that we turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Everybody say word. Mm -mm. What a passage we are going to look at. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Jesus and his disciples, this is part of Jesus' earthly ministry, they have arrived at the town of Bethany. It is a quiet little town situated just a few miles 
uh, away from Jerusalem, or the hustle and bustle of Jerusalem. They come into the quietness of Bethany. As Jesus and his disciples arrive, they are immediately invited into the home of a woman named Martha. Now, we don't know a ton about Martha, but from the scriptures, we can certainly ascertain that every time we run into Martha, she's busy doing something, always in a flurry of activity. Her sister is named Mary, who we will meet a little later in the passage. Unmentioned in this particular passage is their brother named Lazarus, who we meet in John's Gospel in chapter 11. Well, somewhere along in Jesus' earthly ministry, probably closer to the cross than the beginning of his ministry, Martha swung wide the door of intimacy and hospitality and invited Jesus into her home. I can't think of a more intimate place than our home. I think many of us are preparing, some hesitantly, to swing wide the door of hospitality during the holiday season. There's something telling about the home. We're many things in this world, but we are who we are at home. And so we're going to get quite an intimate picture. I love these intimate portraits that we get in the scriptures of people's inner working lives. We can really relate to them. Uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, which is left unnamed. It is the village of Bethany. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Can you think of a greater honor than having Jesus literally in the flesh in your home? Ah, what a great honor. But it's also terrifying, isn't it? I mean, the thought. I mean, every time we invite people into our home, we're content with how it looks. But when people come in, we're like, ah, so messy and grimy, all full of laundry. Uh, Both Madeline and I will testify that the only time our house gets really clean is when we invite people over. And then we're like, oh, we're going to get this place cleaned up. And we have wonderful boys that help. It is pandemonium and chaos. So if you ever come over to our home and you comment on how clean it is, trust me, it is rare. Um, and it's just hard, right? Keeping your house clean? Okay. I can imagine the stress of hospitality only increasing exponentially when it's Jesus coming into the home. Right? I mean, Jesus, hide the liquor bottles! <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> Well, think about this. When we receive Christ, we're inviting him into our hearts. There is no more intimate space in any person's life. And oh, the clutter and the mess that he finds, but how gracious he is to come into the heart and into the home. For some reason, when it comes to the nature of our spiritual lives, we all tend to make time with Jesus uh, a luxury. I'm going to do my best in this passage to be kind to Martha, uh, because I find myself to be kind of a Martha. I think we all have a level of frailty. For some reason, the one thing we need more than anything else in the world is the one thing we tend to avoid. I think at times we all behave like children, knowing that there's a nutritious meal. We choose to stuff ourselves with chocolates and sweets to the ensuing stomachache. All the while, the Lord is inviting us. There's something that is nutrition for our soul. So I want to start by commending Martha. I feel like historically she gets kind of a bad rap, but she's seen inviting Jesus into her home. That's a beautiful picture. But oddly enough, she is the one that extends the invitation, but she is not the first to enjoy time with Jesus. No, that has, in fact, been extended to her younger sister, Mary. Look at verse 39. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Here is our first portrait. 
Oh, look at her posture. I believe this was Mary's favorite place to be. Every time we meet Mary in the scriptures, she's in one way or another found at the Lord's feet. It was said of the ancient rabbis that their disciples would often be found at their feet, being taught. And so here Mary takes this place of a disciple, that when Jesus says, come to me, weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest, she comes to sit literally at the Lord's feet. And in this, we catch a glimpse, I believe, of what we've truly been made for. Many times mentioned over the course of the series, we have been made for uninterrupted, unhindered, and unhurried time with God. We see nothing hurried in Mary's posture, nothing to interrupt or to hinder. There was much to do, but there was nothing more important than Jesus. You see, Jesus tells us to come and follow him and to learn from him. Another way to phrase it is to daily sit at his feet. But outside of slowing down and setting stuff aside and prioritizing, I don't know how we're going to get it done. I really don't. I don't know how we're going to find time to spend with Jesus. Our world is so loud. It is too influential. And what I've noticed is that our world jealously grabs at every free moment that we have in our life to the extent that there's none left for Jesus. I assure you that is not by accident. There is no mistake, it is by design. Our world is designed in such a way to jealously grab at every spare moment you have till there's nothing left and more and more less of you and less of Christ in you. Mary sat and listened to his teaching. She soaks it in all the while her sister got about with all of the busy. Hosting a group of people the size of Jesus and his disciples would be no small undertaking. And I could imagine that the minute they arrived, she got in, in, in just in, in, involved in a huge flurry of activity, right? Setting the places, cooking the food, wiping the counters. All the while, Mary is doing what? Sitting at his feet. There is so much to do. You can almost hear Martha walking by, muttering under her breath. Oh, I can't believe she's starting to huff and puff. You, you all know any huffers and puffers? Like they're communicating an awful lot when they... <sighs> Some of you are like, hey, Huffer Puffer. Maybe you're married to a Huffer Puffer. There's a lot in those huffs and puffs. You see, Jesus is, is there and Mary's sitting at his feet and Martha was so distracted. And please hear this. What she was distracted with and what she was undertaking is very admirable. She's setting out to serve Family, there's many important things that we have to do every single day, and many of us can testify that there is more work to do in a day than there is day. And we often get to the end of our day, and we're already ready to start the next one, and the only thing that separates us is a few tired hours of rest, and we start it all over again. We all have a lot to do, but I want to stress there is something that is most important than anything else that we do in our day. And we often pass up the most important. Jesus was literally and physically in Martha's house, but all she could see was a list of things to do. The chores and the food and the responsibility that needed to be undertaken. Jesus is literally, daily, inviting us to sit with him and spend time. But we're often so focused on the things we need to get done. Look at verse 40. But Martha was distracted with much serving. Now that term to be distracted, it means to be pulled away. That's not a positive thing, by the way. 
It means to be pulled, to have one's attention quickly pulled from one thing to the next, never being able to focus on one single thing to much success. It is to be busy and overwhelmed and burdened. And again, what she's doing is admirable. She's serving. Look at the verse. It says, but Martha was distracted with much serving. She is doing something that's admirable. She's serving people. And in the process of serving people, she is also serving Jesus. That is an admirable undertaking. But even our serving, (laughs) even our daily undertaking, can be getting in the way of our intimacy with Jesus. And so in this serving, in this distraction, in her frustration, she confronts Jesus and makes some pretty interesting (laughs) accusations. Look at the uh, continuing in verse 40. She went up to him and said, Lord... Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Do you not care? I find two interesting accusations here. One, she accused Jesus of not caring about her. You ever been there? Just an exhaustion and fatigue. The grind of the circumstances of your life. Maybe you yourself have said, Lord Jesus, you don't care. I've said that. She not only accuses Jesus of not caring, she accuses her sister of unjustly leaving all the work for her to do. She accuses Jesus, she accuses her sister. I don't believe Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet to shirk her responsibility. Jesus was there, just there. She was enjoying every moment in intimacy with Christ. And so we see here Martha indicting both her sister and her Lord. And then she commands Jesus. If you ever get to a place (laughs) in your spiritual life where you're telling Jesus what to do, it's probably, there's something that's gone wrong in the human heart, Okay. Look at the end of the verse. Tell her to help me. You can hear the frail frustration. She felt alone in all she had to do. And in this, she expects Jesus to do what? I almost assume that Martha expects Jesus to rebuke her sister and to commend Martha. That's not even close to what Jesus does. In fact, tenderly, compassionately, and graciously, he turns to Martha. I think to all of us, right? Verse 41, the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. The repeating of her name was not for a negative emphasis. It was Jesus' way to speak to her heart. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about so many things. As I thought of these words, I thought, I feel this is a pretty apt description of the average American life, isn't it? We are anxious and troubled about so many things. We are worried about people's perception of us. We are worried about this constant to-do list that keeps getting longer. We're worried and anxious about what the doctor will say. We are worried and anxious about yesterday and today and, oh no, tomorrow and next year. We are troubled by the constant pressures of the world around us. Anxious and troubled, the national epidemic. And into the chaos and the crazy, the blur of the holiday season, Jesus is speaking, don't do more. Don't add more. You know, if anything, during the course of this study, my encouragement has been to live a healthier Christian life does not mean to add more to it. It may mean actually doing less and enjoying more and sitting with him more. Verse 42. One thing is necessary, one thing is good. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken from her. Jesus was not going to rebuke Mary and certainly not going to commend Martha. 
This intimacy would not be removed for Mary. All the while, Jesus is inviting Martha to come away to a desolate place to sit at his feet and rest a while. We have no idea how the story ends. I'm willing to bet, though, Mary continued to sit. Martha probably continued serving. And in that moment, missed out on Jesus in the flesh in her home. We've talked a lot over the course of this series, but what are we talking about when we say sacred space in our day? We are literally talking about taking time every day to sit at Jesus' feet, to pray and to sit and listen, to not be in such a hurry, to read some scripture. And in that, no matter the season, we will find rest for our souls. This is not about checking something off the list a list of do's that we need to do to have a good relationship with Jesus. No, this is about more than that. It's intimacy. I've often looked at the spiritual life as a list of things that I needed to check off, but I've come to realize a lot of that was driven in an effort to please my Father in heaven. Did you know that through Christ, your daddy's already pleased with you? Did you know that? Well, of course you know that. Because the scriptures say from the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you've ordained praise. It's the adults that mess it up. We're the ones that lose sight. Thank you for your testimony. See, the little ones, they get it. Our daddy's already pleased. The joy of intimacy is enjoying his pleasure and coming into his presence. What a gift. Well, here it is. Jesus is waiting for us. Now the fire is kindled. The door is open. He's inviting us. And so let us go sit at his feet for a while. He has so much to teach us. He has so much to learn. His gracious invitation has been extended. And so here are the closing applications for our discussion. First is this, set aside time. I know it's not realistic, and I've talked about this over the course of the study, like going out into the wilderness to the desolate place and finding time. And some of us are like, there's no mountain around here. I don't have time to just go away for days on end. No, that's the truth. Many of, We just don't. There are seasons for that. There are times where we can get away for solitude and silence and listening. Oh, and we're the better for it. But every single day has its opportunities, time we can set about to pray and to read and to meditate. Think about that first five minutes when your head's still on your pillow and you're in bed. Madeline and I often enjoy that time. We hear the children wake up. We both try to pretend we're still asleep so the other will get up to go take care of the kids. I know she's awake. <laughs> Breathing has changed. She knows I'm awake. <clears throat> Great time to start the day with my Father in heaven. Holy is your name. You are holy, you are exalted. Your will be done. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Give me a kingdom mindset today, Father, that I would not see the things around me as an inconvenience, but an opportunity to serve, to love. Mm. Today we have our needs. Father, please provide us our daily bread. Release me from my wants and the tireless treadmill of my own selfish greed. 
Give me a generous heart and spirit to serve others. Oh, please forgive me of my sins. Let it be faithful to forgive others. Prepare my heart. You have no idea who you're going to face in a given day. I have no idea. Isn't it incredible to start the day already primed for forgiveness? Getting on that highway, that guy cuts you off. Ah, you're already forgiven. That person at your office, you know that person. You don't have that person in your life. You know who I'm talking about. You're already forgiven. And when you look at your spouse or someone in your home, they say that thing or they do that thing that really gets at you. They press that button. Do you have buttons? Do people press your buttons? And you can already go, oh, that's already forgiven. And to lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. That is a great way to start your day. And that can start in the first five minutes as you're pretending to be asleep, your head on the pillow, avoiding taking care of the children. Okay, time tucked away in a break room. A few minutes hidden away in the home. We are told that when we pray, we are to go into the inner room of our house, we are to shut the door, and we are to pray to our Father who sees in secret, and our Father who is in secret will reward us. Family, there's something to be secret, uh, secretive of our spiritual life. There are things that aren't to be shared with the world. We are all to have this private inner relationship with Christ, intimate, set apart. That can take place anywhere. And it doesn't have to be for a long period of time. But here's what I know. As we take these moments throughout the day, we start to get hungrier and hungrier and hungrier for them. Because family, we've been made for it. We have been made for uninterrupted, unhindered, and unhurried time with God. That is the garden. We weren't created for the world we live in now. And when we share this time with the Lord, man, it becomes something we just long for. And I've come to discover that the principles we've talked about in this series, it's true of all human relationships. If we're always hurried, and we're always hindered, and we're always interrupted, we're not going to have deep relationships with anyone. And so I encourage you during this holiday season, I know there's a ton to do, and some of you right now are just like, i got to get all this done. I want to tell you the greatest gift you can give to your family and your friends this holiday season is you. Just time, uninterrupted, unhurried, uninterrupted. Appreciate what you have today. Martha had Jesus in her home, physically in her home. She could only see the chores. There are family and friends that you have for just a moment. You know what was interesting as I listened to the memorial? You all, you all watched the memorial of George H.W. Bush? You all see that? Wow, Powerful. I kept thinking to myself, why do we wait? Why do we wait to say those things and appreciate somebody to that intimacy until they're gone? Appreciate them today. Love them while you have them because, family, we are a mist. We are told in the scriptures we are like grass that grows up and withers under the heat of the sun. The shadows are passing. Really appreciate that time this year. Secondly, sit at his feet. I want to read these words just one more time out of Luke chapter 10. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. One thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken from her. We've got a lot of choices to make every day. I just invite us, invite myself, that we would take... Take advantage of the good portion of sitting at his feet. Because ultimately, that is where we'll be for eternity. Did you know that sitting at his feet today is just practice for eternity? 
Guess where we are going to be, where we're going to be for eternity? At the feet of Jesus. So let us practice well. Because in a moment, it's going to happen fast, will be the emphasis of focus at the memorial. Chew on that one. hundred years from now, we're all going to be in his presence. Practice what we'll do for eternity. Because that's going to be an incredible day. Amen? All right, let's pray together. Father, we approach, again, grateful hearts, deeply, deeply grateful for who we are in you through our faith in your Son. I know that for some of us, you may be sitting here and wondering about this discussion of intimacy with Jesus and sitting with the Father, and they may, that just may not seem even at all relatable. Friend, please listen. Jesus was born. We celebrate it during the holiday. But more importantly, he came to fulfill the Father's purpose and will. That the Lord Jesus came to die on a cross for our sins as a payment that Christ was crushed for our sins and our iniquities. He was buried in the grave for our death. And on the third day, he rose from the grave. And the Bible records that all who believe in him, all who trust in him for the forgiveness of sins will be saved. That all who call out on the name of the Lord will have salvation. And so I invite you to receive Jesus as your Savior. In the quietness of your heart, if you feel so led, relay these words, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died for me. I believe you were buried, and I believe you have risen. I ask you for forgiveness, and I invite you into my heart. It's a cluttered mess. But I've been told you're gracious. Please save my life. If that is your heart's prayer, the Bible declares you've passed from death to life. You are now alive, truly alive. And you've been invited into an intimate relationship with your creator and your savior. Welcome to the family. Stir in us an appetite that can only be satisfied spending time with you, Jesus. And may we often be found at that place, sitting at your feet. In your precious name we pray. Amen. All right, let's.